This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is where we talk about how the practices of Christians in history can bring restoration to our cultures and help us create more connected families. Today, I'm talking to Elizabeth Santelman. She's on Instagram at Sunshine in My Nest. And I'm so excited to talk to Elizabeth today about developing community. Thanks for joining me today, Elizabeth. Oh, this is a topic I absolutely love, so I'm so excited to talk to you about it. I'm so excited too. You know, so the book that I'm writing is about how the Benedictines had all these structures in place that helped them create order when the Roman Empire was falling and the barbarians were going crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there have been Christians in more recent history who also kind of exemplify some of these practices. So, you know, we're moms, we're homeschooling our kids. We can't just move into a monastery to protect our family from what's <laughs> happening in the world, right? Yeah. And not that we'd want to anyhow, but I think that as homeschool moms, partly we've been trying to find communities where some of the values that may be a little bit countercultural, like not wanting our kids to just play video games all day or not yeah. wanting to watch a bunch of TV. Some of those things are a little bit countercultural. And so it is nice to have a supportive community. How have you found a community that supports some of your values? Yeah, so I think you hit on something. Like as homeschoolers, a lot of times we are trying to live really counterculturally. And historically, um, I think homeschoolers have gotten a reputation for kind of emulating some of that monastery style living, like we're going to wall put up walls around our house and protect the people inside. Um, but we really miss out so much by not living in community with others. And one of the things that I've been really passionate about is convincing moms that as much as their kids need people, that they need people. And we've been really blessed um, in Oklahoma. We have a lot of homeschool families. And so looking around, being able to find um, a group of people who have like-minded ideals has been really nice. Um, I've seen my children really blossom in getting to spend time with other children and getting to watch what they're interested in because my kids have their narrow focus of what they're interested in, but in hanging out with friends, they see things their friends are excited about and then they get excited about it. And so in cross-pollinating ideas with um, other children, Um, I've just seen them really blossom. And the same for me, like being around other homeschool moms. um, You can only get so much from books. Like there's so much by watching other people that you can learn from what the ways that they're doing things, the ways that they're speaking to their children and the ways that um, they're homeschooling, uh, that it's just been such a blessing to me in finding community that way. I totally get what you're saying. One of the churches that we went to when our first child, I think we had two children at the time, and the youngest was close to a year because I I found out I was pregnant with my third not long after we got there. And it was a church just full of homeschoolers. And Mm -hmm. they, you know, the kids sat in church with the parents on Sunday mornings. And everybody was like grinding wheat and baking bread. And it was just this really amazing experience for us because we had never been around many homeschoolers. We had not been around many kind of 
that countercultural family style in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so there was just a lot of, it was a really kind of a little golden year for us learning about being a family and learning about connecting and being together. But sadly, this church fell apart because the pastor was teaching things that his family wasn't necessarily exemplifying. And I have all the sympathy in the world for him because they, you know, they were a somewhat younger family. Their oldest child is only about 18. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can teach things, but when the rubber meets the road and we actually have teenagers, it's a little bit harder to always guarantee the outcome. And so the church really fell apart and, and it's, you know, it disillusioned a lot of people with the idea that you could create a community of like-minded people and the kids would, you know, I think older homeschool moms will hear this and understand the language and, and younger moms or ones who haven't homeschooled might be like, this is weird. You know, there was a, a lot of talk about courtship or, mm, you know, yeah. people were reading Joshua Harris at, yeah. back when Joshua Harris was talking about courtship. So there was a lot of these ideas that I don't think they're bad in themselves. And I think some of them are really good, but it was just all kind of taught by people who didn't necessarily have adults yet. Yeah. And, and maybe, I, I don't know what all was, what all happened there. But well, <laughs> how think, do you, how do you yeah. keep that, that balance where for one thing you are not teaching something that you can't actually live. Yeah. And then also how do you prevent that sort of bitter backlash when things fall apart? Yeah. So I think a bit of context that might help is I also grew up being homeschooled, extremely conservative. We had our own conservative community. And I think One of the things that is really easy for us to fall prey to, and specifically some of those first-generation families or second-generation families, um, was the a little bit of almost health and wealth, prosperity gospel type of thing. Like if you do this in the way that you raise your kids, and if you just follow the exact correct formula, there is no way your children can turn out wrong. When we know, like, if we're looking in the Bible and how we view our theology and even some of the things that are talked about a little bit more in some of the Charlotte Mason stuff is like, our kids are also people and our kids also will be making their own decisions. And you can lay a beautiful biblical foundation for them, but at some point you have to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to hold your kids too. And that doesn't necessarily mean that their story isn't going to look messy. Like my story has been messy and my sibling's story has been messy, even in parents who tried to do everything exactly right. And for me, in trying to do everything to give my kids the best start possible, I am still deeply aware of the fact that at some point they're going to make their own decisions. And I think it can be really hard as we see people in our community whose children make a variety of decisions to view that as whether or not they should or shouldn't have voice into our life when maybe that's a different lens than the way that we need to be seeing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I love the, I love everything you said because there, I never thought about it in terms of that health and wellness gospel, but there was a certain teaching that was like, if you do this, then you will be guaranteed this outcome. Mm-hmm. And so it left a lot of parents pretty shaken when they tried to do all that. And then that wasn't, you know, I, I know I've followed and been friends with so many of those families where 
they were doing all that stuff and it didn't all turn out exactly like they were promised. And even some of the teachers of these concepts, if you follow their family down the, down the years, it's not all rosy for them either, which is one reason why I really hesitate to even uh, give parenting advice because I feel like it is (laughs) so personal to our children, to our family dynamic, but the danger once you've seen this, then then there was this whole backlash, and you probably saw this too, where you you tried to do everything right, you're around all these godly people, and it turned out to be just this big mess. And mm-hmm. so now we're into the gospel-centered parenting where there's almost no standards and everything's back to the gospel. You're loved, you're loved, you're loved. Yeah. But there's almost no standards. And I've seen a lot of wreckage in that as well. How have you found your balance and your equilibrium after experiencing that probably to some degree yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you say that because I was just talking to a mutual friend of ours yesterday. And I think in some ways I can still be a little bit naive in understanding like the scope of possibilities there are for the ways that families raise their kids. So even in feeling like doing a 180, so she and I, okay, first context, she and I were talking about like spending more time as a family and they've chosen to all, um, they've chosen, he works at home, she works at home and they are together as a family all the time. And during COVID, like I thought that that was going to be like our ideal family scenario. And my husband came home to work with us for a while. And we discovered at least three days a week, him going to the office is so good for us because then he gets to come back and tell me about his day and I get to tell him about my day. And it's just like a really great for way for us to like rekindle and bond. But in the course of talking about that, like my husband prepares breakfast for our kids before he goes to work and then he comes home for lunch and then he's home by 4, 4.30 every day. And so the way that we've chosen to prioritize family, because that was exemplified by both of our parents, like we just have a very different paragram for the way that we're tending to view life. So I'm not sure... Um, I know that I've seen a lot of like the grace backlash that you've talked about, that that you were mentioning. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how long-term that ends up fleshing out. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I think right now we are in the middle of a lot of those families coming back and, and, and we are one of those families. Like we are one of those families where we, you know, we were in this really legalistic group and, mm-hmm. and then we, you know, we learned some more about, you know, the sovereignty of God and mm-hmm. personal responsibility and things like that, yeah. that, that gave us a new perspective. And now we're back in like, okay, well, that's all true, but we also have to keep teaching character to our children. We also have to keep having some Christian norms yeah. and Christian yeah. sort of order civilization falls apart. So I think that there's a lot of families who are in the same place right now where they, you know, they started out, maybe they were homeschool graduates and they started out with like, okay, I'm not going to do what my parents did. And so Mm -hmm. we're going to just like let our children make all their own decisions and we're going to be really free as a family. And now they're like, well, maybe not so free. (laughs) Maybe we want to have, maybe we do want to have some, some standards and some kind of rules for civilization in a sense. 
Well, I think it's, I think kind of what you're hitting at is like there's safety in some structuring, like especially as you're raising kids, like when kids know what is expected and the language that we use may shift, but like keeping some of those structures, like the Bible's full of structures and things that um, if people live by his laws, life tends to go better for them. And teaching our kids those foundational truths from a young age, even in, you know, the um, golden rule of love God and love others and teaching them to show love toward each other and to love God and to know that when they're walking in a way that God has outlined in his word, that things go well for them. I was just talking to Melissa Kruger and she was talking about um, doing like teaching your kid God, kids God's grace, but also God's law, not from the place of that if you do this, God will hate me, but more from a when I do this, life goes better for me. And so showing them that the rules that God has placed in his word for humankind to live by isn't because he's going to strike you with a bolt of lightning if you don't follow what he says. But because um, I think it's uh, it says, honor your father and mother that you may live long on the earth and it may go well with you. And all, like when we, when we are following the biblical principles for life, like life tends to go better. Like we live in harmony with other people in our family and we live in harmony with the world and we live in harmony with God because our conscience is clear. And, um, for me, that's been a big change in the way that I've seen teaching my kids that structure and rules, not because they need this in order for me to be happy with them, but because I'm trying to help them build the best life that they have possible. Oh, I just, that's so important what you just said about how it's a, it's a shift of perspective, you know, whereas in our early years of parenting, we had this idea, you know, that we had to be perfect or in some way we weren't going to be honoring God. Now mm -hmm. the, the obedience is a result of our love for God. We know mm -hmm. that he loves us. Yes. We, we know that our position is safe. We are safe. We're not going to get rejected if we make a mistake, but because we know that we are loved, we act as children of God and not as um, an orphan who is like rejecting love on purpose yeah. because they don't yeah. believe they're loved. So I think it's so much about a shift in perspective and the way we teach our children. And I also love that you talked about the importance of teaching young children some of those laws and structures, because I believe that, you know, you see in scripture, God first taught the Israelites the law, and then he taught them about grace. Mm -hmm. And if we don't first teach our children what they should do, then grace has no meaning. You know, grace yes. to somebody who's never been taught that there's any right or wrong really has no meaning anyhow. And so yeah. I think, you know, all of this is so much about perspective and about making sure that we understand that we're loved, that we understand that we're not saved by works, mm -hmm. but that there still are works worthy of repentance. So one of the things that has really been wonderful in our lives is that we have found a community that is both aspiring to good works, but also full of grace. And so mm -hmm. it's really sweet to be able to be ourselves. And sometimes we're messy, like in my community of mom friends, 
we we know a lot about each other's marriage struggles or family struggles. And there is tons of accountability, but there's also tons of love and grace. And so what it does nurture is an honesty that is very hard to get when you are in a very legalistic community. Like what I saw in our old, you know, the, the former community yeah. is people tended to just leave when things started going a little bit rough. Instead of getting help, they would yeah. just leave and do some almost a 180. But now we're able to, you know, stay in community, stay in the fight, even when we're struggling. How have you found a community that balances out the the desire to honor God, the desire to make godly life choices with grace and love? Yeah, I think one of the things that you were touching on is the fact that you're not necessarily surprised then when people are sinning or failing in your community, like because you know your own heart and it does the same thing. And when we see how much love we're given and how much grace is given toward us, I really think it allows us to respond in grace toward people rather than like, if I'm able to follow the formula perfectly, then I will be perfect. And like, I can't allow your imperfection to set me back. And I think that's where a lot of the falling apart in community comes from. And I think, I, I think the thing that's really helped me in living in community with people in some of those even setback seasons with friends and people who I dearly love is remembering that that isn't the end of their story. And I've had phases, Jennifer, I had a phase where I was so frustrated trying to sort through what I believed about God that I decided it wasn't worth the effort. And I threw my Bible away and I was done with it. And, um, and God was faithful and his spirit followed me and held me through that painful time and led me back to himself. And in watching friends and people who I'm close to walk through painful seasons to understand like the same God and the same spirit that held me when I was hurting and when I um, needed him most is going to be able to do that for them too. And it may, it may not be months. It may be years. It, I may not even see the end of their story, but to trust that he's good and that he has a plan for their life and he's going to hold them through that. And if he can do it for me, then I can, I can do that for them also. Yeah. It's so beautiful that early on you learned about the grace of God. Cause I think, you know, for myself as a young mother, I thought I could do everything perfect. I had this mm -hmm. illusion that if I just did all this stuff really faithfully, that it would be fine. And so that actually caused me to judge other people who mm -hmm. were farther along the road and maybe not having the results that I thought they yeah. would have had if they'd been more perfect. And so it's, I mean, I've had to do a lot of repentance to God, to, to others for that attitude that I held, but I love that early on you understood that you needed a savior mm -hmm. and that has probably helped you have a lot more grace for your friends as they're going through their own times as, as a family that are a little bit messy. Yeah. And then as you live in community, like seeing yourself as the extension of the hands of Christ to their families too, you know, as, as you're choosing to hang out with people who are making different decisions for their families than what you do, like to understand. And I think this circles all the way back to the beginning, what we were talking about, like we don't have to barricade ourselves inside our home because we know that God is the one who's ultimately holding our kids. And so we can 
go out into our community and we can embrace messy situations and understand that if, if God is the one holding our children, we can show him what it looks or show our kids what it looks like to love other people um, by entering into our community in those scenarios. Yeah, that's so good. I think actually, you know, I write in Mothering by the Book about overcoming fear through stories, but mm. I think stories have really helped shape me as a parent too, because when we read some of these parenting teachers, we're trying to tell us, if you do this, you'll get this result. Yeah. But so many of them didn't even have adult children yet. But if yeah. you read stories, even the Bible, you can see that nobody had perfect children. Nobody yeah. was able to, you know, no, nobody yeah. in, in the Bible was able to be perfect and raise perfect children. And then you read stories about, you know, people who like Louis Zamperini, for instance, he was a naughty child, a naughty teenager, a naughty yeah. husband. And then later in his life had a beautiful encounter with God and his testimony, I'm sure changed many lives. And yeah. so I think clinging to these stories and realizing wherever we are in our own story, whether we're in the middle of a hard season with ourselves or a husband or a child, whether we're watching a friend go through a hard season, knowing that there's still so much hope and we can just keep being faithful, doing the things that God's put on our heart to do, trusting Absolutely. the results to him. Yeah. Yeah. So I just finished, uh, I don't know if you know, I'm uh, just finished writing a book and it's first and second Samuel for kids eight to 12. And so I just spent a whole year like intensively studying first and second Samuel and Eli, uh, Eli's children fall away. And then Samuel who God called and he was God's own prophet and priest, his children fall away. And the first King who is called is falling away. And like, the whole book of first Samuel is a buildup to the promised King coming and David is supposed to be that promised King. And there's all of this build of excitement and he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And, um, it's not even until second Samuel, David finally takes the throne and we get three or four glorious chapters of an amazing King David. And then we have the story of David and Bathsheba and everything goes apart again. And when we put our hope and our trust in other people to be the promised one for us, we're always going to dis be disappointed if we put people's methods or people's like the way their kids turn out or any of these other things other than the ultimate thing. And David was a good king. He just wasn't the promised king. And when we put our hope in the promised king to be the one who is coming and the one who holds us and the one who holds the faith of our kids, we're never going to be disappointed. And when we put our faith and our trust in, in humans and in human methodology, I think that's where um, we end up being disappointed. Mm, such a good place to end, Elizabeth. I love that encouragement, you know, that Jesus is our anchor, that God's our anchor. And so that sets us free to love people, to be in community and, and to be accountable in some ways without mm -hmm. falling into judging ourselves or others and, and well, not having that faith that God's going to finish the work. Absolutely. Because David remained God's king because he repented and he continued to like try to live by God's laws. You know, Samuel or Saul was rejected because he just, he wanted to do it his way and he didn't feel like he needed God. And so like, I do think that is your, your structure back to your fences. Like we're living within a structure that allows us to, um, have that, 
um, oh, how did I phrase it earlier? Like, or we were talking earlier about it being, uh, making, making space for safety or making, building the best life possible. So. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's, it's just a part of living in the modern world is learning how to apply biblical ideas Mm -hmm. to our lives and then finding a community that we can run with in a pursuit of, of, of really, you know, I think that what we do underestimate and what is so important is just keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because if we are doing things in our own human strength, it's always going to end up messy and legalistic and, and, and causing pain to people. But if we, if we can just keep our hearts and our eyes fixed on Jesus, then he will work it out for his glory. And in talking to older moms, I think sometimes as young moms, we underestimate the power of our example like as we're living out our faith in front of our kids um, and being faithful in the little things and the big things and that all day long, every day, choosing to take a deep breath and pray instead of losing our temper and choosing to change another diaper when we'd rather not. Like I, I think sometimes our, we don't realize what an impact the example of our faithfulness has on the faith of our kids. Absolutely. That's 100%. The the ultimate message here is just that as we continue living a faithful life and working through our own issues and keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, it doesn't matter so much, uh, you know, how we parent as how we live. So mm-hmm. thanks for joining me today, Elizabeth. This has been a wonderful conversation. I'm really excited for families to listen in. Thanks so much for having me, Jennifer. It's always so much fun talking to you. enjoy this conversation with Elizabeth Santelman about building community and even some of the ups and downs of Christian community. One of the best ways to build community is to homeschool in community. I have a blog post that can help you with that. My own community has been doing the Peaceful Press elementary resources for the last few years, and we're creating so many happy memories around cooking together eating awesome snacks together, having medieval jousts and building water wheels and celebrating the Jewish feast together. And I think that your family would love finding a few friends to build community around learning as well. I'll link that blog post in the show notes and we have free co-op guides that go with each of the Peaceful Press resources that can help you in your community building efforts.